Hi there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellrandy.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow, and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the gathering, and let's, um, let's open in prayer today. We're going to talk about shame and how God does not do shame. And so let's just, um, let's just pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love, for your forgiveness. Lord, that you've come to set us free. And I thank you, Lord, that you're not a God that shames us ever. So thank you for that gift. And I just pray that you would touch hearts and change lives. Lord, that we'd be drawn closer to you that you'd heal things of the past, Lord, and set us free so that we can go about the Great Commission and do the things that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I wrote an article, uh, it's been a couple of years ago, that I wrote an article about shame, and part of it, um, I'm going to read to you. Shame on you, my grandmother said as she shook her finger at me with a scowl on her face. I was about nine or ten years old, and those words cut to the core of my being as I stood in her picture-perfect kitchen. I don't remember what I did wrong, but I do remember being confused about even getting in trouble for whatever upset her. All I could think about was getting away from her so I could cry. Our words carry power, And what I remember was I had done something wrong in her eyes, and I just wanted to hide. I felt like a mistake and felt her intense displeasure with me. I could not figure out why she would respond like that. I thought she loved me, and I looked forward to going to see her and my grandfather. Now I just wanted to go home. I was feeling the power of shame. Shame says... You are a mistake instead of you made a mistake. Let me help you. And so I believe you've got a copy of that in your notes of that article. Um, So let's talk about shame. Well, the definition of shame. Let's start right there. What is it? Has anybody ever said to you, shame on you? Have you ever heard those words? Yeah, and when you really think about what that means, and back in, I don't know, back in our generation, it was kind of a common term in some, some ways for those of you that are 60 plus. <laughs> um, I, I do remember hearing it, you know, a lot more than I do now. But the definition of shame is it's a powerful feeling of humiliation or distressed, distress, caused by the conscious of wrong or foolish 
behavior. It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the conscious of wrong, you know, being made aware, or foolish behavior. Brene Brown has done a number of TED Talks on shame. And according to Brene, she says, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. Women often experience shame when they are entangled in a web of layered, conflicting, or competing social community expectations. And I like what she says about that because it is a really, it is a relevant thing that we can deal with, feeling, feeling less than in some capacity. And God knows about the shameful things. I just want to say he knows about the shameful things that have happened in your life. Maybe you've had some things done to you and they're embarrassing or they're shameful. But number one in your notes that I want to make a statement about shame and why we need to talk about it and why we need to deal with it. Because everything that I talk about is in an effort to equip you, prepare you, help you in healing so that we can go about the great commission of helping others come to know God. And the freer we are, the more we're going to have to give to those around us. The Great Commission didn't end with the disciples. It's for you and me today. And so that's just part of what I'm passionate about is giving you tools for yourself um, and giving you tools so that you can help others. So number one, shame holds us back. It holds us down and it holds us hostage. Hostage. Shame holds us back, holds us down, and holds us hostage. Hostage. It keeps us from being all that God has called us to be. Shame will hold you back from your destiny. And I speak from experience on that. You know, when we struggle with feelings of inadequacy or our shame, it can hold us back. Because the last thing we want to do is be put in a position where we could be humiliated or embarrassed again. And sometimes there's just that push through where you have to go on because guess what? We're all going to make mistakes. And I can tell you some of my greatest mistakes have been my best teachers in life. When you step back and say, wow, this happened, but Lord, what can I learn from this? What can I learn? I think that's important. The next thing on your notes, shame makes us feel less than. It makes us feel less than. It makes us feel unworthy unloved, and uncelebrated. 
and devalued. Have you ever felt any of those feelings? Yes, shame makes us feel less than. It makes us feel un unworthy, unloved, are uncelebrated, and devalued. Now maybe you haven't ever had anybody say shame on you, but if you've been in any position where you have felt unworthy, unloved, uncelebrated, or devalued, some of those can be feelings of shame. And here's the great news, is Jesus paid a great price so we could be free from shame. Oftentimes, feelings of shame can be rooted in things from our past. They can be current things, but it can be things from our past. And because, we've, because we were shamed, we feel ashamed, or, or we take things a little more personally. And if we, don't develop, if we don't deal with it, we can develop shame-based thinking. So that's one of the things I want to talk about is what is that? When we have shame-based thinking, we struggle with feelings of you're not good enough. Whatever you do is not enough. And you can fear people putting you down. And when we look at others through a, a lens of shame, We're, not, we're seeing things through a lens that is flawed. A lens that is flawed. People controlled by shame often feel like they have no power. You know, abusers can put shame on people. I've dealt with a number of women in my, my years of social work and ministry where... Um, they have felt so ashamed. I remember one girl came into my office and she said, I, 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 I need help. And she just burst into tears and she had been sexually assaulted the night before. And I said, okay, have you gone to the hospital? And she said, no, I'm too ashamed. And so we had to have a conversation about why it was important that she did go and for her own safety and her own sake. But those feelings of shame were so great, and I literally had to stop and pray with her and help her take those steps so she could take care of her health. And what had happened is her abuser had made her think it was her fault. Um, and she didn't even want to go to the hospital because it's a small community, and you know she was just afraid of the stigma that was there. But abusers can make you feel powerless. And shame-based thinking can make you feel like it's all your fault when it's not. But people shame others to make them feel better about themselves. You know, you've heard me say before, wounded people wound other people. And I think one of the things, it's like they have to step on somebody to make themselves feel better about themselves. And so when you look at that, if you have somebody that you feel has stepped on you, um, oftentimes they're just trying to feel better 
about themselves. Now, you can't change your past, but you can change your future. You might want to write that down. And we must choose to focus on what Jesus has done for us instead of what others have said. You can't change your past, but you can change your future. And I want to give you just one of the best scriptures right here. It's Isaiah 61, verse 7. Here's what the Lord says. Because God does not do shame. It says in Isaiah 61, 7, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. There's a great exchange. And what we need to do at times is take our shame to the Lord and say, Hey, I need to exchange this. Have you ever gone into a store and you, you maybe have bought something, you know, or you've bought into a lie, okay, in the, in the context of shame? Uh, you realize you don't need that or want that or it doesn't fit or it's the wrong color or whatever, so you take it back. And sometimes they give you your money, but other times they say you can exchange it for something. What the Lord is saying is you can bring your shame to me and exchange it for a double portion, a double blessing. Who wouldn't want that? Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. That's how great our God is. That's how great he is. Because, and the, the, the reason I feel passionate about why you need to do this is because if you keep that shame-based thinking, it'll keep you from your destiny. It will keep you from your destiny. So what are some different kinds of shame? Well, I'm going to share just some things from my own life, being transparent. Um, there are many, but I'm just a couple that stood out to me were, um, you know, just number one, when my grandmother said, shame on you. You know, I just thought, because I look up to her. You know, she was someone I'd, I had admired. And all of a sudden, you know, and there was a scowl on her face. And my grandmother, um, my aunt, grandmother had her own issues, but as a little girl, I did not know that or realize that. I'll share a little more about that later. But... Those words, shame on you, I really see that those were, that, that kind of planted in my heart because I believed her. I believed that lie. And she said, these were the rest of her words, you should be ashamed of yourself. And this says, you are a mistake, not you made a mistake. Do you see the difference? You are not a mistake. Do we make mistakes? Yep. Will we make them tomorrow? Probably. But that does not mean we're a mistake in the eyes of God. You know, another different, another kind of shame is being teased or being the brunt of a joke. Have you ever been the brunt of a joke or been teased? <laughs> you know, I being the my my dad was a big teaser. And it was part of just the way he would. But he would, he would tease. But some of that teasing, some of that teasing really cut to the core as a little girl. I was overweight, and I remember one time he said, I got 
some more mashed potatoes. And he said, he said, and my dad loved me, no doubt about that. But he said, well, why don't you just put those potatoes on both sides of your hips? And those words, you know, as a 13-year-old girl, that was just kind of devastating to me. It's like, oh, I must not be as pretty or, you know. Anyway, so being the brunt of jokes or being teased can, be, can, can bring shame on us, or we can receive that. Racial shame. I've had, you know, sometimes people are teased about their ethnicity or a racial comment will be made, and it can make people feel devalued. We have to, to be careful because God values each and every one of us. A lack of education. Maybe, maybe you don't have as many degrees or you weren't able to go as far. I remember um, sitting in, there was a, a woman in, uh, not my family, but extended family, and we were all sitting in a group, and everybody in this family had gone on to get their master's, their doctorate degrees and everything, and we we're all sitting there, and she turned to me and she said, so Kathleen, what college did you graduate from? I said, well, I actually didn't graduate from college. I went to UTSA, but I didn't graduate. I got my MRS degree and then, you know, have been raising my kids. And then I became a business owner. And, you know, so it wasn't, I got my education in a different and roundabout way. But she said, oh my gosh, you, had, you did not finish college? You know, and I was with all these people. Fortunately, I was at a place in my life that I was secure in my identity. And I said, no. I said, my kids were just more important at that time, you know. And so, but that I could have received that shame-based thinking, or I'm not, you know, good enough just because I didn't go on and do that. Um, sins or failures can make you feel shame. And Satan loves to trap us in the, in the guilt and shame and hold us back. I have a friend in Kerrville, and her husband made a, a moral mistake, and it was on the front page of the paper. And just the shame that that family um, dealt with, I know, was, was great. And it can, what I mean, too, by when shameful things are said, it can keep us from our destiny, what God's really called us to be. I remember the first time that um, I'd just taken my job at the Christian Women's Job Corps, and uh, I was speaking at this church and trying to, you know, raise awareness of what we did in the community. And it was my very first time. I'd only been on the job a couple of, gosh, weeks, if maybe maybe a month or so. And this man, so I'm learning. I was learning a lot of stuff. And this gentleman came up, and he said, I like the information that you gave, but you've got a lot to learn about speaking. I was a speech teacher. And I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, and I just was like, but you know what? I took that to heart in a different way, and I thought, okay, how can I be better? What can I do? And I, I looked at him and I said, I want you to tell me how I, could do, how I could do better versus taking that into my heart and saying, I'm a failure, shouldn't have taken this job, why am I doing this? And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I would have taken that man's words to heart. I would have kept me from my destiny and what I know I'm called, called to do. 
Um, others have said, just different people have talked to, ministered to throughout the years, they felt shame when they got fired from a job. Or abuse. Maybe you've had, you know, abuse can hold people in shame. We've talked about that. Or maybe there's a family situation. I know my late husband, he was a family of three boys, and his oldest brother had a drug addiction. And I know he was always kind of embarrassed to talk about his brother, my late husband was, because of the shame that brought, you know, just on, he felt like on the family. And I was like, no, that's his choice. That's something he chose to do, which did ultimately destroy his life. But that doesn't have to disgrace the whole, the whole family. So addictions, uh, maybe going to prison. Um, I've had just people share how when one of their relatives maybe had to go to prison. You can have family shame. Maybe you came from a family of poverty and there was shame associated in that. Um, or making poor choices. You know, or getting pregnant outside of marriage. I know just different people I've ministered to, that's been something that's been a very, can be, can make you feel ashamed. But what Jesus had to share, here's what Jesus had to share about shaming people. And here's another good news flash from the Bible. John 8, verses 1 through 12. And, and in this thing, Jesus had just um, appeared in the temple courts and the people were gathered around him. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? See, they were trying to trap Jesus because, because there's a letter of the law and the heart of Christianity. And I think a lot of people get religion versus relationship very mixed up. It's about a relationship with a personal Savior and with God. It's not about doing everything right and wrong. But Jesus bent down. Here's what Jesus did. He bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, he said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. He said, Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, he said, Now go and leave your life of sin. And so there's that forgiveness, that acceptance, that welcoming welcoming but yet those that were the letter of the law were willing to stone her just like they did in the old testament religion tries to shame relationship picks you up and tries to put you back together religion can shame 
where, and even religious people. I know just certain people and, you know, you're around them and they're, they're almost so uptight and staunch and, you know, but they, they try, you know, they're just, they're not accepting of any, of anything. And that's what Jesus does is if we sin, he tries to pick us up, dust us off and put us back together. You know, and I think as Christians, it's so important that we have to be careful that when somebody we know or somebody in our church or somebody stands, stumbles, falls, that we have the heart of God and that we are his vessels of love and mercy and do what we can to help pick them up, put them back together and get them back out there because we are the body of Christ. We are the army. And if they don't know Jesus, what a powerful time for them to get to know the grace and love and mercy that God our Father and Jesus gives us. I remember <laughs> there was a, when I had a volunteer. I had different volunteers from different churches that came together to help me do the Christian Women's Job Corps. And there was this woman that came in, and this, um, she was an older lady, and she said, Kathleen, do you know that so-and-so in our class is living with her boyfriend? And I said, yes, I do. I do know that. And she said, well, aren't you going to do something about it? And I looked at that woman and I said, you know, she has three kids. And I can't tell you if it meant a roof over my kid's head that I wouldn't do the same thing. I said, we have to be so careful not to judge. And I said, all I'm wanting right now for this woman is to get to know Jesus as her personal Savior. Yes. No, I'm not going. That's not my top priority right now. My priority was her coming into relationship with a God who loved her and was there for her. Romans 10 verse 9 tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is written, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. You know, justified means just as if you've never sinned. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. Jesus does not shame us. Hebrews 12, verse 2 tells us, it says, fix, and I love this scripture, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. You know, Jesus was shamed, he was falsely accused, and he was beaten. So he understands shame when we deal with it. And he paid a great price by hanging on that cross so that we don't have to carry it. So we can sit right there with Jesus feeling accepted, forgiven, loved, and valued. You know, all of us have done things that maybe you know, we've said the wrong thing or we've embarrassed ourselves. And when we make those mistakes, you know, it, it, it is important that we take it to the Lord if it's 
hurt our heart or, or, or something. And maybe you're thinking of a situation. You might just want to jot down a note so that you can take time and go back and deal with that. You know, the thing I love about the Lord, and this is something worth writing down, <clears throat> is He calls us up, not out. He calls us up in our potential, not out. And when I was teaching school, one of the things I would do with sometimes the big, I did this more with the big guys that played football, you know how they could just cut up in class and, you know, give you a hard time. And, you know, I'd take them out in the hall. And one of the things I would say, I know you. I know you, and I know, and I would speak to something good in their lives, speak to something that I knew or something that was a good thing. I would call them up, and I said, you can't act like that. You're a leader. You're on the football team. You know, now, here's your choice. You can go back in and act like I know you can, and you are, you know, or you can have this pink slip and go see the principal. You know, and they'd always choose that, but I always tried to call them up not out. Yep, I had to take them out of the room, separate them for a minute to deal with the situation and get control of the class. But do you see the difference? And I think it's important with our kids that we do that too when they make mistakes. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 7, it tells us, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of his grace. In Acts 13, 38, you can go back and read these, and I would encourage you to. It's part of the lesson um, and the questions for processing. It says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. You know, once you confess your sin to the Lord, he forgives you, and he doesn't remember it anymore. You know, so why do people put shame on others when they've missed the mark and done something wrong? Well, one reason we talked about how wounded people wound other people, they step on people to make them feel better, but I think there's some other reasons. I think judgment, people that are judgmental, that have pride, can put others down, and they do that just to make themselves feel better about themselves. And none of these are part of our job description as a Christian. If you have to put something, somebody down to feel better about yourself, you might take a look at that. And people will often um, look at their sin and compare it to someone else and say, well, I didn't, you know, I did this, but I didn't do something that bad. You know, categorizing, categorizing things. And yet God says, you know, God says that sin is sin. Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2 warns us not to judge others. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with, the, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And Proverbs 16, verse 18 tells us, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit 
before a fall. And our own foolish pride can get us in trouble. You know, when we walk with God, we're called to hate the sin, but love the sinner. I'm going to say that again. When we walk with God, we're called to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Because that's what Jesus does. You know, sin separates us from God. And sometimes because people sin, they push God away. They kind of try to hold him at an arm's length. And yet he's the very one that's saying, come to me. I'll help you. I hope you get out of that addiction. I hope you get out of this problem. I'll help you in overcoming. And Jesus is that bridge when we have relationship with him. He's that bridge between, he can be that bridge between us and God. And so if there's things you've done that you're ashamed of, you're embarrassed of, or someone has put that on you, that's where we can take it to the Lord. You know, I had to forgive my grandmother for saying those shameful and hurtful words many years ago. And it was later in life, I was maybe in my 40s. It was maybe in my 40s. I later found out my grandmother was a very wounded woman. And because of her wounds and failures and shame, she projected that on me and others. My mom told me one day, we were talking, and I was just talking about about my grandmother, and she said, my mother just said, you know, I've never told anybody this because I felt embarrassed. But my mother found out that her mother, and this is decades ago, because my mother would be 84, 85, but was a lesbian. And none of us ever knew it, never knew it. There were things now as a little kid that made sense. And I can see that. But because of the shame, you know, that it may be a little more accepted in our society these days. But because of the shame, you know, my mother never even spoke about it and never said that. The beauty of that is my grandmother did come to know the Lord in her latter years. And she actually lived with us. And there was, you know, just a real healing that, that took place. And so maybe you're sitting there and you realize that you have shamed someone. And if that's the case, you may think, oh my gosh, I've said, you know, shame on you or I've done that. Um, all you need to do is go to the Lord and ask forgiveness. And you may need to go to that person and ask them to forgive you too. But if you've been on the end of receiving shame, I pray healing for your heart that any lies you believed from the shameful words or shameful things that have happened, that those would be erased. But I do think it's important that we forgive those that have shamed us, just like I stated with my grandmother. And when I realized shame and I realized I had some shame-based thinking, that was one of the first things that popped into my mind. Now, I hadn't thought about it for years, but when I went back to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, any place I have shame-based thinking, any place that I believed a lie that someone's told me, or in any area that would try to hold me back from what you've called me to do, reveal it to me. And that was one of the memories that came to me. So what are some keys 
to getting free of shame. Let's talk about that because God's all about freedom. I think the number one thing is we have to change our perspective. And what I mean by that is see yourself the way God sees you. Change your perspective to see yourself through the eyes of God. And how does God see your situation? Um, I also have a podcast um, that was done, I think, last fall, called Wake Up to Who You Are and Understanding Our Identity and Value. And those are, I think, some real good ones in getting God's perspective of how he sees us. And remaining focused, when we remain focused on our pain, on our hurt, on the offense, it can, it can keep us in misery. But when we change our lens, things look brighter and they're clearer and easier to see. And it gives us hope. You know, when your vision's changed, it can make a big difference. And last year, I actually, I had cataracts and I had some other things going on with my eyes. And so I had a lens replacement. And I can see so much better. I don't have to use cheaters, but I can see, I can drive better. And that was one of the main reasons I had it done is I needed to be able to drive at night. And I was at a point where I couldn't safely. But that lens replacement, was it a little difficult? Mm-hmm. You know, it really wasn't all that bad, but it took a while of adjustment. And that's what happens when we get God's perspective of ourselves, when we see ourselves through his lens. And so you might want to go to the Lord and say, Lord, show me how you see me. And Lord, where were you when such and such happened? Where were you when this happened? I remember asking the Lord that about another situation that I had encountered in my life. And I said, Lord, where were you? Why'd you let this happen? And, and I was just chatting it out with the Lord. And he said, I was right there calling for you so I could hug you in the midst of that pain. That's how good God is. You know, God on perspective, Isaiah 55, 8, tells us why we need to go to God and get his perspective of a situation or ourselves. It says in Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right there, God tells us, my ways are higher, my ways are better. And guess what? When you have a relationship with Jesus and have invited him into your heart, you can run to him any time, day or night. He's not too busy. He doesn't put you on hold for 30 minutes. He's right there to hear the cry of your heart. So getting a changed perspective, I think, is number one to getting free, to setting, um, get, being set free of shame. Number two would be to forgive those that have shamed you. Or forgive yourself. Sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. We make a stupid mistake. We say something that we really regret or we shouldn't have said. And sometimes forgiving ourselves can be harder than forgiving others. And we need to let go of the painful words and actions. 
you know, going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you to forgive me, you know, of when I did so-and-so or such-and-such. And Lord, I felt so ashamed. And I ask you to just cleanse me and give me your perception, your thoughts. And then I think, and I use this in forgiveness, but I'm all about simplicity and sometimes just cutting to the chase. Tell shame to go. It's not your friend. Tell shame to go. It's not your friend. You know, we use that with fear. Tell fear to go. It's not your friend. And sometimes, you know, we can be going so fast. And, you know, my favorite prayer is Jesus fix it. You know, <laughs> you don't have to get down on your knees and say 50,000 words to get God to hear you. Does he hear Jesus fix it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And ask God to reveal, and this is um, number four, ask God to reveal any lies of shame that have been told to you or that you have told yourself. Or that you have told yourself. Have you ever said, to yourself, oh, you're such an idiot. You know, well, you're speaking a curse over your life. You know, we've got to stop that. Sometimes we have to build and encourage ourselves because we may not have people around us doing that. We may not. And confess to God any time. Another freedom from shame, and this would be number five, is confess to God any time you've shamed anyone else. The Bible says confess your Confess your faults one to another so you may be healed. And then the last thing I think that is so important is ask God to heal your heart in areas that you were shamed. Ask him to heal your heart. I think we go to the Lord, we do our part. Just me like I had to go to the doctor and do my part to get my vision changed. But then we can ask him to heal us, just like I had to wait for the healing to come that had, you know, that happened. I want you to just be quiet right now and just everyone close your eyes. And I want you to just think back on anything in your life. anything the Lord might show you. So God, I just ask that you just reveal to us things we need to bring to you. Lord, that we need to exchange so that you can give us a double portion and double blessings. Thank you that you've come to set us free of shame. And I just pray that as people listen, as they take this lesson, Lord, are in the days ahead that you would just bring things to their remembrance and they would take it quickly to you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your great provision, and that you give us freedom from shame. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me encourage you to take these steps. They're written down in your notes. Um, or you can rewind the podcast and write them down. But this is written in there, and there's more steps for you to go through and just being set free of shame. And so I ask the Lord to bless you 
and just keep you, and I ask you to get back in the race. Get back in the race if shame has held you back.